0: This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA
1: specialists.
2: Good morning, in today's headlines, disaster relief efforts are underway in Mississippi. Tornadoes devastated parts of the state over the weekend. We show you the aftermath along with updates from Alabama and Georgia.
3: Former President Trump vows to revoke many of President Biden's policies if elected again. We have a summary of Trump's first 2024 campaign rally over the weekend.
2: Fires lit up the night sky on Israeli highways as angry protesters took to the streets. They're calling for a halt to controversial judicial reforms.
3: The US House recently passed the Parents' Bill of Rights. We speak to a survivor of China's cultural revolution to get her take on the bill. And a Texas
2: man comes up with what could be a life-saving idea. Lightweight bulletproof armor made into common household items.
3: Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan.
2: Good morning, everyone. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Monday, March 27th. Devastating tornadoes tore through parts of Mississippi and Alabama on Friday and Saturday. Disaster relief efforts are now pouring in. At least 26 people were killed. The storms destroyed hundreds of buildings and knocked out power for thousands. Officials say more dangerous weather could be coming. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the aftermath in Mississippi.
4: Around 30 million people in the southern and central US were under severe weather warnings on Sunday after tornadoes devastated parts of Mississippi. The town of Rolling Rock was one of the hardest hit areas in the state. It's home to around 2,000 people. Census data shows about a fifth are below the poverty line.
1: One of the major issues that we're going to face is housing.
4: The tornado reduced homes to rubble, snapped tree trunks like twigs, and tossed cars aside like toys. The town's water tower was toppled to the ground. Mayor Eldridge Walker says the storm hit so quickly that warning sirens were barely set off before they were ripped down.
5: My community is, it's gone.
4: Survivor Andre Williams says he'll never forget the deafening roar of the tornado that flattened his home. Those five, six seconds seem like a lifetime. Williams was able to ride out the storm in his tub. He says he was sure he was going to be swept away. I can't get it out of my head every 45, 50 minutes. It just come back to me. Surveillance footage from a high school shows wind blowing debris through the halls and ripping down ceiling tiles. Local meteorologists say the storm left a trail of destruction 170 miles long. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves issued a state of emergency and vowed to help rebuild. He says although the loss and devastation is heartbreaking, he's optimistic and inspired by the response from communities.
6: Mississippians have done what Mississippians do in times of tragedy, in times of crisis, they stand up and they show up.
4: President Biden has approved a federal state of emergency declaration for Mississippi, which will provide additional funding and aid to supplement local efforts. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. And just after Biden approved
3: disaster relief for Mississippi, more tornadoes touched down in Georgia. At least two twisters made their way through the state. Thunderstorm, tornado, and flash flood warnings were issued. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp declared a state of emergency yesterday morning. Trees along the side of Interstate 85 were torn down. Nearly 100 structures were damaged in the town of West Point near the border of Alabama. Close to 30 suffered major damage. The storm brought large hail to the Atlanta area. At least three people were injured. No fatalities have been reported. Two tigers escaped from a zoo in Pine Mountain after the storm damaged their enclosure. They have been recovered and returned. The National Weather Service says a powerful Pacific storm will be approaching the west coast today. Heavy rainfall along the coast is expected. More thunderstorms are predicted throughout the southeast. Alabama and Georgia are under risk of hail and possibly more tornadoes.
2: Former President Trump laid out his four-year agenda on Saturday. He held his first 2024 campaign rally in Waco, Texas. He vowed to revoke many of President Biden's policies if he gets elected again and achieve total independence of China. And Jeremy Sandberg has more on the weekend event.
4: Trump opened the rally with a recording of imprisoned January 6th defendants singing the national anthem. He said he will pardon January 6th protesters if he retakes the White House in 2024, and likened the upcoming election to a final battle.
5: If you put me back in the White House, their reign will be over, and America will be a free nation once again. Trump says, if
4: elected, he will revoke China's most favored nation status, implement a four-year plan to phase out all Chinese imports of essential goods, and gain total independence from China. The former president suggested that investigations into him were politically motivated, and a weaponization of the justice system.
5: The Biden regime's weaponization of law enforcement against their political opponent is something straight out of the Stalinist Russian horror show.
4: He called it a form of political persecution used to suppress opponents.
5: They're using investigations now instead of, because it's harder for them to stuff the ballot boxes of which they stuff plenty. A grand
4: jury in New York could vote on criminal charges against Trump this week. Trump told reporters after the rally he thinks the case has been dropped. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
2: The U.S. House recently passed the GOP's Parents' Bill of Rights. It aims at giving parents more information about their kids' education in school, including which books are available at their libraries. The bill was approved by Republicans, with five voting against it. We're bringing in activist Lily Tang Williams to hear what she thinks of the bill. She's a former New Hampshire congressional candidate and a survivor of the Cultural Revolution in China. Good morning, Lily. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me today. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, I want to know
7: what do you think about the parents' bill of rights? Do you support it? I do. I think that uh, the human bond between a child and a parent is the deepest, and I'm just uh, surprised I have to come to United States to testify to support bill of rights for parents. You would think this is America. Our kids belong to the parents, not belong to the government. Hmm, and. Uh, About that, you often draw comparisons, those comparisons between
2: Communist China and the U.S. today. Now, could you please tell me more about the similarities you see there,
7: and, you know, how does this bill in particular play into that? Well, I grew up under Mao's regime back then, and today in China, parents have no rights. And uh, you know, in in communist country, all the um, people and uh, all the children belong to the state. So I came to a free country and the parental rights in the United States have to be protected. And it's being weakened by the political agendas and our classrooms and schools today. And, you know, kids are learning, they stuck behind the parents' back. And I think parents have to be so decision makers when it comes to their children's education and medical data, privacy, and curriculum. Our schools today are becoming indoctrination centers. It has been going on for years. So, we're trying to pass the parental rights bill in New Hampshire. There's a big hearing this Thursday, and I hope to go there to offer my unique testimony. Mm.
2: And what do you think on the other side of that? what do you think about the worry you know that this undermines federalism? you know those five Republicans, some of them that didn't uh, vote for the bill for instance, you know, had this worry that the federal government shouldn't involve in state and local issues because these would be new federal powers basically that could be abused further
7: down the line. Well, I hear them. That's why I encourage people getting involved at local level. In each state, um, because the education issue is supposed to belong to the state, but because in some states like the kids and they have no protection, parents are being marginalized, being called a domestic terrorists. So now that the people have to activate themselves to pass at each state level to protect their children, and to focus on academic excellence, education, but not become a political indoctrination centers in our schools. Mm. Thank you so
2: much for your take on this. Lily Tang Williams, thanks for coming on today. Thank you.
3: Moving over to the Middle East, tens of thousands took to the streets in Israel over the weekend. Tempers are boiling over plans to reform the country's judicial system. today's Daniel Monahan brings us more
5: massive crowds waving blue and white israeli flags flooded the streets late sunday night across the country they chanted democracy and blocked streets and bridges mobs gathered outside prime minister benjamin netanyahu's home in jerusalem at one point breaching a security cordon Police used water cannons to force protesters off a Tel Aviv highway they had taken over and lit bonfires on. The mass protests were sparked by the firing of Defense Minister Yoav Gallant by Netanyahu on Sunday. Gallant refused to go along with the government's highly contested plan to overhaul the judicial system. The judicial reforms would give the government control over the appointment of judges, and Parliament would gain the power to override Supreme Court decisions. The government argues the changes are essential to rein in the Supreme Court They see the court as elitist and no longer representative of the Israeli people. Opponents say the plans threaten the foundations of Israeli democracy, and argue that Netanyahu is pushing through the changes because of his own ongoing corruption trial. Israeli President Isaac Herzog, whose post is largely ceremonial, urged the government on Monday to call off the reforms. The crisis comes as Israel's security establishment has been bracing for potential violence in the coming weeks. This as the Muslim holy month of Ramadan overlaps with the Jewish Passover and the celebration of Easter. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
3: NATO on Sunday criticized President Putin for what it called his dangerous and irresponsible nuclear rhetoric. That followed the Russian president saying he planned to station tactical nuclear weapons in Belarus.
6: Putin likened it to the U.S. stationing its weapons in Europe while insisting that Russia would not violate its nuclear non-proliferation promises. A NATO spokesperson said in emailed comments to Reuters on Sunday that Russia has consistently broken its arms control commitments. It's one of Russia's most pronounced nuclear signals since the beginning of its invasion of Ukraine 13 months ago. And Ukraine's foreign ministry on Sunday called for an extraordinary meeting of the UN Security Council and for the international community to take decisive measures to prevent Russia's use of nuclear weapons. Washington played down concerns White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said the U.S. had seen no sign that Putin had moved any nuclear weapons. Uh, I can tell you that we've seen nothing that would indicate uh, Mr. Putin is uh, preparing to to use tactical nuclear weapons in any way whatsoever in in, uh, Ukraine. And I can also tell you that we haven't seen anything that would cause us to change our own strategic nuclear deterrent posture. Meanwhile, Ukrainian forces have managed to blunt Russia's offensive in and around the embattled eastern city of Bakhmut, the scene of brutal fighting in the last few months. Ukraine's general staff said on Sunday that Ukrainian forces had repelled 85 Russian attacks over the past 24 hours in several parts of the eastern front, including Bakhmut. Separately, Britain's defense ministry said the months-long Russian assault on the city had stalled, mainly as a result of heavy troop losses.
3: Just ahead, the search for survivors has now ended after Friday's explosion at a Pennsylvania chocolate factory. And having a gas stove in your home could soon become a luxury. New York is close to banning them in future homes. We've got that and more after this break. Good to have you back with us. The First Citizens Bank is buying Silicon Valley Bank, or SVB. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC, announced the acquisition yesterday. The FDIC took control of SVB earlier this month after it failed. It says it's received equity appreciation rights in First Citizens' stock as part of the deal. That stock is valued at up to $500 million. The FDIC says SVB's collapse will cost it around $20 billion in deposit insurance payouts. First Citizens will assume SVB assets of $110 billion, as well as deposits of $56 billion and loans of $72 billion. Depositors of SVB automatically became depositors of First Citizens. 17 former SVB branches will be opening under First Citizens Bank today. The death toll from Friday's explosion at a Pennsylvania chocolate factory has now risen to seven. Rescue teams had been searching for survivors for two days. One person was found alive in the rubble. Authorities are investigating the cause of the explosion. Entity's Cost and S has updates on the tragic event.
8: The search for missing people concluded on Sunday. A total of seven people have perished. Ten people were injured and taken to local hospitals. One person was found alive in the early hours of Sunday morning. The explosion happened around 5 p.m. local time on Friday at RM Palmer Chocolate Factory in West Reading.
6: Well, it was the biggest explosion that I ever heard in my life. And uh, first I thought the trains came off the railroad track and hit the ground. (laughs) But uh, then I looked out the window and I saw all the debris on the road from the building and the building was just gone.
8: It is currently still unclear what caused the explosion. Some employees of the factory had reported a gas smell prior to the blast, although no reports were made with a local utility company. Community efforts were underway to offer food and water to rescue workers.
1: When something crazy like this happens to the community, like you want to make sure people are taken care of. So we just made some food to donate to like the first responders, make sure everybody's taken care of in like times like these.
8: The explosion destroyed one of the buildings completely. Another building on the grounds was partially destroyed. Some nearby residents reported their windows were smashed by the blast. Three adjacent buildings were closed off as a precautionary measure, pending further investigation. West Reading Mayor Samantha Kag said the loss is devastating. A community fundraiser has already collected over $20,000. Cost M&S, NTD News.
2: Authorities in Philadelphia say the drinking water in the city is safe despite a chemical spill in the Delaware River. At least until tonight, tests conducted show no contaminants in the water. The city had initially alerted residents to use bottled water after a latex product spilled into the river last Friday. The alert wiped out bottled water in local grocery stores. But on Sunday, officials revised their assessments and now they say the water is safe to drink, to bathe in and to use for cooking. It is unclear how long the water will remain safe though. The city says it is confident the water is safe through the end of Monday. That's because the water currently in the taps was treated before the spill reached Philadelphia.
3: New Yorkers who love cooking over a flame could soon find themselves out of luck. The Democratic government is close to passing a statewide gas stove ban on new homes. If successful, New York would be the first state in the country to pass such a law. The law would apply for most new constructions, including single-family homes and commercial buildings. The measure would also prohibit the installation of gas or oil-powered equipment. That also includes furnaces, water heaters, and clothes dryers using fossil fuels. Supporters hope that New York can take the policies of California and Washington to the next level. New York Republicans are outraged by the plan. Representative Nick Langworthy criticized Governor Kathy Hochul for not getting rid of her own gas stoves while also, quote, flying around on private planes.
2: Where there is a will, there is a way. Two legal immigrants from Cuba sure proved that over the weekend, the pair flew a motorized hang glider into Key West Airport on Saturday. Officials say they were not seriously injured. The U.S. Border Patrol took the two men into custody. Airport officials say there were no service interruptions. Florida has experienced an influx of illegal migrants from Cuba in the past months. In January, the Coast Guard returned 273 migrants off the Florida coast to Cuba. The Coast Guard says they intercepted more migrants from Cuba in 2022 than they had since the 1990s. Unrest, persecution, and shortages of basic goods on the communist island nation have driven the recent increase. Wow, but a, quite an impressive feat, though—over a hundred miles in that contraption.
3: Oh yeah, that's a daring mission they were on,
2: for sure. Um, millions of Australian and New Zealand driver license numbers have been stolen in one of Australia's largest confirmed data breaches. That's according to Australian consumer finance firm Latitude Group Holdings. The company said hackers stole personal data of nearly 8 million people, as well as over 50,000 passport numbers and more than 6 million customer records. The stolen data ranges from between 2005 and 2013. The company called it distressing development. It was first announced on March 16th that over 100,000 licenses had been compromised in a cyber attack that temporarily froze Latitude's operations. But the actual number turned out to be far larger. And a Texas man comes up with what could be a life-saving idea, lightweight bulletproof armor that's made into common household items. That's after the break. Welcome back. A Texas man may have come up with a life-saving idea. He founded a company that makes lightweight, bulletproof armor and puts it into common household items. Let's take a look.
0: My mission is
1: to save lives. Veteran Billy Gibbons just might have what it takes to combat gun-related violence.
0: We're giving tools to average citizens that they can protect themselves should they find themselves in an active shooter situation.
1: His Texas-based company, Armor Upfitters, can turn your everyday items into bulletproof shields.
0: And it really does look like just a simple curtain, but should there be a drive-by, should someone shoot into your building or your home, you have a nice, safe, but stylish alternative to bulletproof glass.
1: Not only curtains, Gibbons also makes bulletproof seat cushions, skateboards, school stop signs, and even wall art.
0: You hang these on your wall so no one knows what they are, and then you've always got a shield to protect yourself.
1: Gibbons says his company is one of a kind because his customers aren't just law enforcement or the government.
0: Nobody makes protective equipment for parents, for small business owners, for churches, for temples, for schools. So
1: we took kind of a different route. As a father himself, Gibbons makes sure the shields for schools look just like they belong there, like a crossing guard sign.
0: I don't want to turn kids into gunfighters. I don't want kids to even think about this. That's why our shields are decorative. We can put you know, bright pink unicorns, and we've done that. We, we want it to be protective gear that the children don't necessarily notice.
1: From working with the universities, Gibbons developed Armor Upfitters' unique technology that can make his shields lightweight.
0: Having been shot, having been to war, having been um, sort of a victim in 9-11 and terrorist activities, I've many times I've faced very dangerous situations. And um, I make this gear as though I were wielding it or it was for my children.
1: In the wake of the recent school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, which killed 19 students and two teachers, the veteran hopes to get more protective shields into school settings. NTD News, Texas.
3: Wow, Evelyn, that's a pretty novel idea. Hopefully they never have to use them, though.
2: No, yeah, but honestly, the shooter would never see that coming. Just pull a painting off the wall and...
3: Yeah, a <laughs> unicorn shield? Yeah. Wow. So the first sign of spring, cherry blossoms. Thousands of people gathered in Washington, D.C. on Sunday to take in the sights of the city's famed cherry blossoms in peak bloom. The pale pink and white blossoms frame the pathways surrounding the city's iconic monuments. Locals and tourists were seen taking photographs and walking along the basin. The beloved trees were given as a friendship gift from Japan in 1912. The annual Cherry Blossom Festival commemorates the enduring gift of the nearly 3,000 trees and celebrates the relationship the two countries share. And over in Japan, Tokyo locals and tourists gathered at one of Japan's most popular cherry blossom viewing spots, the Ueno Park. Visitors enjoying the full bloom with picnics under the trees and taking pictures as the city eased its pandemic restrictions. For Japan, warm weather ushered in the full bloom nine days sooner than usual and one of the earliest in recorded history.
2: That's so beautiful.
3: It is, you know, and I just love the changing seasons. In the spring, you get the blossoms, the fall, you get the colors in the trees.
2: Yeah, and I think the coming in the coming weeks, the blooms will be peaking in New Jersey and New York, just for those that missed it in DC.
3: Ah, so much to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. Evelyn, what's your favorite season?
2: What a question, I don't think I can just I appreciate all, I can appreciate all of them.
3: Really? Yeah. You like the cold of winter?
2: Yeah, skiing season yes. is great.
3: I know, it is great. <laughs> yeah, now it's warming up, so.
2: Yeah, looking forward to that as well. All right, that's all for today's program. Remember to write us at goodmorning at NTD.com. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Evelyn Lee.
3: And I'm Kevin Hogan.